Okay, welcome back uh, to the second half of uh, the Ng Ting, the Forgotten Highway. <laughs> yeah, on road trip. So yeah, we're carrying on. Where did we leave off the last time? We are the, the first ball, the N10 stretches from the border of Namibia down almost into into Port Elizabeth. And we said it took we took Uppington as the starting point to the N10. So between Uppington and Namibia, it's flat nothing, or not not flat nothing, but just rolling Kalahari sand dunes. Yeah. And, uh, we came down through Uppington and a couple of spots through Prisca, etc. The R down into Hanover. Now Hanover is the intersection of the N10 and the N1. The N1, obviously, the main highway. Oh, yes. Hanover is right. down. So Hanover is also one of those little spots where you blink you blink three times and uh, you're through the town. <laughs> There's not a heck of a lot in Hanover. And, again, I say that, but, I mean, my son, like I said, my son stayed there on a trip down to Cape Town, and he loved it. They're beautiful, peaceful, quiet. I mean, the, the town shuts down like nothing happens there at night. I mean, but that's that's kind of what the attraction is. Yeah, but the N10. Now, if we're now coming, we're coming south now of of the of the N1, and now we in proper proper good no nonsense Karoo Karoo landscape. And the first little town that you get to is the town of Middleburg. Now we got we got a couple of Middleburgs in South Africa. We have got one in Mpumalanga, but this, yeah. this is the Middleburg in. In the Cape, you've just hit. You've just come out of the Northern Cape, just north of Middleburg. You cross the border between the Northern Cape and the Eastern Cape. So we're now yeah. we're now in the Eastern Cape, and there's an interesting little museum, the P.W. Foster Museum, just north of Middleburg. It's a little private museum. It's about the role of the Van der Walten Foster families in the development of a farm there called uh, Grootfontein. The building goes back already to 18, 1827. And it's just a, a little family museum, lots of photographs, a little bit of military history in the area. And this this part of the world also had quite a bit of the military history of the Anglo-Boer War between 1899 and 1902. And the interesting part about this in Middleburg is that it got a monument called the Chair Monument. Oh, Yeah. Chair, like you sit in chair. Yeah. And one of the more controversial issues of the Anglo-Boer War is that the British executed people that they claimed were rebels. And you were considered a rebel if you lived or were a resident of British territory, like the Cape Colony, but yet fought on the side of the Transvaal or the Free State. Okay. By citizenship, you were bound to fight for the country that you belong to, if that makes sense. Yeah. If you were a resident of the Cape, you were expected to fight on the side of the Cape, and the Cape was against the Transvaal and the Free State. Yeah. But obviously, being Afrikaners and having family, etc., etc., a lot of people went and said, nah, that doesn't work. I'm not fighting for Britain. I'm going to fight for the, for the Afrikaners. But yeah. you were then regarded as a traitor and a rebel by the British government. Not not particularly by the people, but by the people. Yeah. And this chair monument is actually there in honor of Commandant J. Lotter and his wingman, a guy by the name of P.J. Wolfhart. <clears throat> and 
these two guys were executed by the British who argued that they were what we called Cape rebels. And a guy by the name of Colonel Harry Scoble specialized in tracking down and hunting down rebels. And yeah, again, kind of, kind of, kind of wrong and kind of, I don't know, leaves a bad taste in your mouth that, you know, that somebody specializes <laughs> in that kind of stuff. But anyway. Yeah. And a guy by the name of Louis van Niekerk showed Scoble exactly where this Commandant Lotte and his men were. So the British obviously get these guys. And unproven allegations of the murder of a British soldier against Wolfhardt. Unproven. It was sort of said that someone saw him somewhere shooting a British um, prisoner of war. And Lotta, being accused of being a, a Cape rebel, being a commandant, was executed on um, 11th of October 1901, sitting on a chair. That's where the chair monument idea comes uh, from. So he, okay. was tied to a, he was tied to a chair and shot by firing squad at the spot where this monument is. And he, okay. was, and he, was, he was buried there. And then Volfart with accusations of being a rebel, as well as having accusations of murder against him, was shot a couple of days later, again on the same spot. And um, both both men were buried in the local cemetery, and the monument was put up there on the spot of their execution. And that also caused a bit of controversy because, you know, they were saying, well, why do we want to commemorate the spot when the guys have got a proper grave, et cetera, et cetera, kind of stirring the flames yeah. of of this whole thing. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting little spot to go and visit, you know, because on on the memorial is actually an engraving of a chair. Yeah. So okay. quite a quite an emotive spot, I think, yeah. to to visit. And this Louis van Nikerk is worrying me seriously now. <laughs> because my, mother, my mother's side of the family is Fanica. Well, maybe you can uh, use it to your advantage and ask them if they're related. I must actually go check the family tree. <laughs> and see what, uh, what the hell is going on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the N10... Heading heading south, I mean, you know, into proper proper Karoo, Karoo country. It's a, sort of, the, you know, the flat top... You know, those flat top copies everywhere. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. countryside. And you're now heading into Craddock. Yes. Just off to the western side, you've got the Mountain Zebra National Park. Absolute jewel of a national park. Um, And we need to do an episode on that. I need to actually go visit it again because an awful lot has happened in the Mountain Zebra Park since I was last there. So we'll, yeah. we can maybe hold that one on um, on, on the different- list. Before we, yeah. before we, <laughs> before we do a, uh, a podcast, the N10, the N10 enters Craddock. Craddock built, exists there because now we've got a nice little river. You're on the Great Fish River. You've got, um, a little, a little town that was garrisoned during the Anglo Boer War. There's a little spot there called Oak Hill. 
And on the Oakop Hill, there's, there's obviously a lookout. Yeah. The, the, the Boers were ranging into the Cape Colony. So a lot of these little towns have got old forts and blockhouses and, you know, lookout spots and, and um, in them. And one of the, one of the regiments stationed in, in Craddock was a bunch called the Sherwood Foresters, very, very famous British regiment. And, um, there's a couple of engravings in the rocks. Obviously, the soldiers are bored out of their mind. Spending- I wonder if they are descendants of uh, Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to bring that up. <laughs> it could be, man. It could be. It could be. But, I mean, obviously, these soldiers bored out of their mind, and there's a couple of engravings and inscriptions and things on top of this little hill from, from the guys that were there. There's another interesting grave. Um, in town from, from a general, the general Peter Kritzinger. Oh, also yes. one of our, one of our, our Boer generals. And he was, um, the assistant commandant of the Orange Free State and the commander in chief of the Boer rebel forces in the Cape Colony. So here we go. We back onto this rebel, rebel territory. Yes. And, um, he was a very, very well known guerrilla commander. In the area, he led invasions of the Boers into the British-controlled Cape Colony during the last phase of the Boer War. He was under the command of Christian de Vett. I mean, Christian de Vett was absolute master of those kind of guerrilla tactics. I mean, you've got Kissinger, you've got de Vett. Yeah. And um, the, big, the big guns. These are the big guns. So Craddock, Craddock played a, obviously played quite a, quite a pivotal role in that, in that whole thing. And Kritzinger destroyed railway lines and he blew up supply depots and he was in some of the battles of Sanna's Post. He was in Mostershoek, Redesburg, Stormberg. You know, I mean, these, these are, these are massive fights. And, um, he led, he led one of the big Boer invasions and he, I mean, he made it down to Norval's Pond, Jamestown, Alawal North. You know, so I mean, he was a real pain in the rear end. To the Brits, but eventually yeah. it was Alawal North where he was wounded and he was taken prisoner. But he at least wasn't shot for being a re- being a rebel, because the guys that had been shot as rebels, and I mean again, guys like Gideon Skipperus and these names all come up, were all shot as being rebels. By then, the outcry against this practice had become so loud that the British stopped it. Yeah. And, um, you know, articles in newspapers from in, in the U.S., in Britain, all sorts of anti-war, anti-execution, anti this kind of massive hard-handed policies were brought up. So Chris was lucky. He, he escaped execution. And, uh, I mean, he, he was obviously wounded, but eventually he's, he's settled in the area around, around Craddock and became, um, very prominent in local politics. He eventually became a member of parliament for Craddock and he was part of General Herzog's national party, etc. So quite a very, very influential, influential name. And he's, he's now buried in Craddock, but Craddock is an absolute treasure trove of all sorts of interesting little spots. You got the Craddock, the Craddock club, which is definitely, definitely worth, worth visiting. If you can, but it's an interesting one because the, the Craddock Club still to this day has a rule 
that uh, you're not allowed to talk about politics, religion, or business. Should oh. you mention any of those three topics, you will buy a round for everybody in the pub. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and in in the club again, the club the club dates back to the, back to to 1881. And strange enough, women were only allowed on the club since 1998. So, hmm. Craddock Club was a real haven haven for gentlemen. And uh, just an interesting one is there's also a cross carved in one of the panels that points to due north, attributed to some of the British soldiers who trying to remember where home was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just out just outside there's still an old original drinking fountain outside the club there's an old um drinking fountain for horses that also dates back um to nineteen o two which was unveiled for the coronation of king edward and Edward was an interesting character because he refused to take the coronation until the end of the anglo boer war oh okay victoria, victoria queen victoria dried died during the anglo boer war and his successor was was Edward, but he refused to take the post until the peace had been signed. Ah, okay. And the peace was signed. The peace, the peace was signed on the thirty first of May, and the coronation happened on the twenty sixth of June. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so that that's just an interesting um, little bit. I mean, Craddock Craddock has got all sorts of memorials. It's a real Really, really, really historic town. There's um, a monument to J.A. Kalata. Now, Kalata was Secretary General of the ANC from 1936 to 1949. And uh, it was the Reverend, Reverend James Arthur Kalata. Okay. Interesting character. Again, he was the first black South African who was appointed as a canon in the Anglican Church of Southern Africa. And he was appointed as canon of the Grahamstown Cathedral. Oh, okay. So, again, interesting, interesting people. This, you know, he was born in um, King Williamstown. King Williamstown, known as Conse. Ons, I'm again, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that. Became a deacon in 1921, became a priest in 1926 in, in PE, and then a minister in 1980, in, uh, 1928 in, in Craddock. He ministered okay. in Craddock for over 40 years. And wow. he was also subject to one of our forced removals. I remember, remember that policy when his entire congregation was moved to the township because of the Group Areas Act. And uh, very, very active, very active in politics and very active in the ANC. And so the senior chaplain acted as a speaker, the Congress speaker. He was one of the people that was banned by the old government. You know, when banning, you know, when you, when you were banned, you were told you only live, only allowed to live in one little house and not have more than two people at the same time and all that kind of stuff. One of the more infamous policies of, of the apartheid government. Yeah. And at the time of the 1956 treason trial, he was actually in prison for a while. So very, very well known and prominent member of the ANC has got his little memorial plaque 
next to the town hall. Beautiful Dutch Reformed Church in Craddock forms the centerpiece on the main on the on the main road. Um, also, again, dates back to early eighteen hundreds, eighteen twenty three or so. This thing was the, the the church was done, and uh, the plans for the building was actually quite an interesting one. It was uh, you could submit an entry, and there was a cash prize of thirty pounds offered for the best design of the new church in town. Wow, uh, 30 pounds those days is a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the design eventually from a Cape Town firm of architects, Welchman and Reed, was chosen. And it follows the design of St. Martin, St. Martin in the Fields at Trafalgar Square in London. Oh, okay. And uh, the legend is that a young Durbany uh, Duplessis met and married an Englishwoman who was so homesick that the church was d- designed to make you feel more at home. Kind of Here a, we go. <laughs> kind, of, kind of a cute... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kind of, kind, of, kind of a cute romantic story there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out, of, out, of, out of Craddock. I mean, there's, there's the old Dutch Reformed Church Hall, there's, there's the Craddock Club that we got there. We've got the Victoria Manor Hotel. Uh, I mean, we don't often do commercial spots in this one, but this is one of these real old little spots that you almost kind of got to go and visit. Even if you don't stay there, go and have lunch at the old Craddock, at the old Victoria Manor Hotel. Been entirely restored back, dating to the late 1800s. Yeah. You know, and it's been a hotel already since 1852. So, I mean, this hotel has seen the whole development of the, of Craddock Town. It's seen the Anglo Boer War. It's had the soldiers in it. It's had, you know, it's, it's seen this entire, entire history Period. of the town. So that's yeah. kind of one of the spots that if you're going into Craddock, you want to, you really, really, really want to, want to stop there. I wonder if it's haunted. Then I, I want to go. <laughs> That I don't know. That I don't know. But if you do, that's what I would like to do. <laughs> well, I mean, go I, to all these haunted spots. I mean, my my daughter and I spent a night at the Kimberley Club, and uh, apparently that's haunted. But uh, even though we sort of went into the passage at midnight and stuff, we didn't see anything or hear anything. So, uh, yeah. and I, I sometimes wonder if these hauntings are a little bit of a, a combination of overactive imagination and a couple, a little bit too much red wine in the in the pub at night. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. But just, just behind, just, just behind the hotel, there's also a whole lot of old residences and old, um, shops and cottages that have been renovated back to that, that feel of the late 1800s. Oh, and wow. There's a whole lot of these little houses that have been renovated that you can actually go stay, stay in. They're called the Taste. He tastes hisa. He tastes hisa. He tastes hisa. <laughs> uh, just yeah, just, just cool, cool spot to go and stay in. But Craddock also has got one pretty, pretty famous or pretty um, intrepid name to it—a guy by the name of William Folds. William Soles 
the winner of both the military cross as well as the Victoria Cross. Oh, okay. That's a combination that you do not uh, see very often. Yeah. You often see military cross or you see VC. You don't often see both of them, both of them together. Yeah. And he was the first South African born man to be awarded the VC. So, and he was awarded the Victoria Cross for his actions at a fight called Dalverwood. Okay. And Dalverwood, I, I've actually had the, I've actually had the privilege of actually commanding a parade at Dalverwood when my regiment went across to go there as a member of the Transvaal Scottish. So this one, this one holds a little bit of relevance to me on this one. Okay. And, um, he was 21 years old. He was a private. In the first South Infantry in in the first regiment, first South African Infantry Brigade, and the citation for the most conspicuous bravery and devotion to duty, a bombing party under a bombing party under Lieutenant Craig attempted to rush across forty yards of ground which lay between British and enemy trenches, coming under very heavy rifle fire and machine gun fire. The officer majority of the party were killed or wounded. Unable to move, Lieutenant Craig lay midway between the two lines of trench, the ground being quite open. In full daylight, Private Falls, accompanied by two other men, climbed over the parrot, ran out, picked up the officer and carried him back, one man being severely wounded in doing so. Two days later, Private Falls again showed the most conspicuous bravery in going out alone to bring in a wounded man and carrying him nearly half a mile to a dressing station, subsequently rejoining his platoon. The artillery at the time was so intense that the stretcher bearers and others consider that any attempt to bring the wounded men meant certain death. The risk Private Falls faced unflinchingly and his bravery was crowned with success. Sure. Well, wow. Later on, later on, this was July 1916, in March 1918, he goes and wins himself a military cross as a temporary lieutenant. And... Um, there, his citation reads, in the retirement from the line east of Hendicourt, 22nd of March, 1918, he was commanding one of the platoons, which formed the rear guard. He handled his men most ably and exposed himself freely. Though the enemy pressed hard, he, by his fearless and able leadership, checked them and enabled the remainder of the battalion to withdraw with slight loss. And um, he eventually reached the rank of captain, and he was actually he's buried in um, the Pioneer Cemetery in Harare in Zimbabwe, but his house is still here to be seen um, in town. Okay. So he was a bit of a pit bull, this guy. This guy was something else. <laughs> this guy was something else. And, and you can actually you can actually still see his house. And, um, yeah, kind of cool. But you look at these guys, and, I mean, what he saw in World War One. I don't think people should have to see. Yeah. Nah. There's a, outside of town, there's an interesting rock formation that you can see. It's a thing called Egg Rock. It's a 10-meter-high egg dolerite rock that just, like, perches on top of this mountain. I estimate it's, like, 488 tons. And uh, wow. and this thing's just perching there, and I think the whole town is kind of waiting for the thing to fall down. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, I suppose I suppose you've got a picture of it on your app. There is a picture of Egg Rock on the app. 
Then as you're coming out south of Craddock, again, you're out in the townships, and then there's a memorial to what's called the Craddock Four. And uh, again, one of our one of kind of the names that comes out on the South African liberation struggles is uh, the Craddock Four, a group of four anti-apartheid activists who were actually abducted and murdered by the South African security police in 1985. Oh. And 27th of June that year, the guys were called Matthew Goniwe. I'm sure that name pops up a couple of times. Fort Kalata, again, name out of town, Sparrow and Konto, and Sitelo Mklauli. They were detained by the security police outside of Port Elizabeth. And Goniwe and Kalata were rumored to be on a secret police hit list for their active participation in the struggle against um, the apartheid government. The security police murdered these guys and burned their bodies. So, cool. yeah, not not cool, but then that memorial. Uh, not cool, yeah. That that memorial is just there on the outside of Craddock. But then, then you're starting to get through. Yeah, the the N10 now heads south, and you're starting to go through some beautiful mountain mountainous areas. You hit a little town called Cookhouse, and. Uh, Cookhouse, I think, and the the rumor is that the name, the name of Cookhouse came from the fact that the town was so hot. (laughs) (laughs) And Cookhouse again, Cookhouse town, it's a little, it's a little hamlet on, um, again, it's still on the Great Fish River, you know, so from, from Craddock, you're following, you're following the, 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 the Fish River and the Fish River meanders and it goes north and it goes south and it goes east and it goes west and it bends and it turns. And um Cookhouse again became became like a kind of a railway, a little railway junction. And um it was it was called Cookhouse Junction. And right I mean in the railways, the railways have sort of died and are are dead and gone. But a lot of the early travelers came through there. Thomas Pringle, one of the earlier Scottish travellers who sort of wrote wrote about South Africa. Another French traveller, Francois Le Vallant, he gave his name to a lot of birds and a lot of the animals that he that he that he caught and, and took back in the early days of the sort of zoology and of um, exploration in South Africa. He went he went through through that area and Again, most of it, most of it came out of um, the British soldiers that 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 stayed in the in the area, and it was made famous by by a poem. And if you want to read the poem, you're going to have to get the app or buy the book by Dean Allen that we that we feature on on the app. It's in there as well, and it's a relatively well known poem called "Cookhouse Station" by a gentleman by the name of of Chris Mann, and. Uh, I mean, just just some of the language that he uses, yeah. And if it is a midday in December with a light so fierce, all the shapes of things quiver and mingle, make certain you see the shades of those who once lived there, 
squatting in the cool of the blue gum tree at ease in the fellowship of the after death. And if you ever pass through Cookhouse Station, make certain you greet those shades well. Otherwise, you have not passed that way at all. So, uh, a real dusty, Peru little town, Cookhouse. Hot, old railway junction now <laughs> just used. Yeah. To, uh, <coughs> not like that. But anyway. Yeah. But where we've got to get to now is south of Cookhouse is one of our iconic um, happenings. And the N10, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump this one a little bit because I think it's a kind of a cool spot to actually end. The N10 does continue a little bit further south down and it skirts around the other side of this, uh, the eastern side of um, the Outer Elephant National Park. Again, that's a podcast all on its own. The Outer Elephant Park is now become one of those spots where I think they call it now the Big Six or the Big Seven. You can actually see the Big Seven now because uh, you're adding whales and great white sharks to the Big Five. And it does, oh, okay. down, it does go down through a little town called Patterson. Patterson is a dusty nothing. It's got a little little church in it. <laughs> and it's like a, it's like a, it's got like one garage and one, one little general grocery shop. But I think yeah. the best, the best spot to end the N10 is just south of Cookhouse is where you've got the Slachtersneck monument. Okay. Now, Slachtersneck has taken on iconic status in in our history and the name unfortunately is a bit um unfortunate <laughs> butcher's it, neck it, yeah well butcher's butcher's pass and yeah. the name butcher's pass came from the fact that it was actually a spot where cattle were slaughtered okay oh, hence the name <laughs> and hence the name but what happened here is that slachter's neck was actually used as the spot to hang some rebels already in 1815. Oh. Now now we've jumped back a whole whack of years. I mean, we're talking about rebels and Anglo-Boer War and what have you. And that, that's all 1999, 1900, 1901, 1902. But we're now yeah. back in 1815. And this now goes back to... British takeover of the Cape, first takeover, 1803, next takeover, 1805, British come in, British now start trying to um, organize the Cape, for want of a better word, because now instead of being a bunch of frontiersmen out of the VOC, you know, that kind of sort of happy-go-lucky, free-for-all kind of period that the VOC had, Britain now comes in and now, now the colonial period actually starts. Up until the British came in, the, the Cape was private company or private property of the Dutch East India Company. The Dutch East India Company goes bankrupt in 1795. Britain steps in, doesn't work, hands it over to the Batavian Republic. Batavian Republic is Holland under French control. The French are lots of things, but they're not good administrators. Eventually, Britain says, no, this is not working. We're going to take the Cape back again. So Britain is yeah. the Cape and takes it back. And now they want to now kind of formalize this whole thing. Now, this Eastern Cape area has had uproar for years. 
it's all about land grabs and the Khazars are moving and the, the pioneers are moving in and there's, there's fights about land and cattle raiding and it's chaos. Yeah. Britain, Britain is now setting down and we've been following this great fish river. Okay. So it's a perfect line for us to follow this thread in history because the great fish river also got designated as border. You may not from the Cape go over the border because that's now land of the Khazars and the Khazars may not come over because this is now land that belongs to Britain. So we right yeah. slap bang in the middle of this whole, whole turmoil. And if you really <laughs> go through history, you've got a hundred years of drama in this, in, in this area. And this yeah. drama, the drama of way, where we're talking now, the slacht, the snack thing eventually was one of the causes or one of the reasons for the great trek. Okay, so yeah. we're talking big happenings here. We're talking pivotal events in our history. And I mean, if you if you want a pivotal event, talk about the Great Trek. You know, yeah, we've done Great Trek a couple of times. I mean, this is the movement of fifteen thousand people that leave the Eastern Cape, looking looking to get away from the British and all of their nonsense, and go yeah. set up independent republics. And it's eventually what leads to the Anglo-Boer War. And 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 here we're sitting. At this, at, at, at the Slachtersnake monument. Now, what happens is that the Slachtersnake rebellion, let's call it the Slachtersnake rebellion, was an uprising by the Boers in 1915 on the then eastern border of the Cape Colony. And it occurs after Frederick Bezuidenhout, a local farmer, is summoned to appear before a magistrate after repeated allegations of mistreating one of his koi laborers. Oh, yeah. Now, whether this guy was a laborer or a slave or whatever is, again, it's a little bit, a little bit un unclear. So, Bezaidenhout now hears about this and he flees. He goes and he goes and hides in a cave. And a platoon of colored soldiers is now sent to go and arrest this guy. Now, you've got to look at this. It's 1815. Slavery is still in place. Um, there's a lot of racial tension and race division and social yeah. class division between the different races. And this regiment of coloreds is now sent to go and arrest Bezaidenot. Bezaidenot resists. He starts shooting. And eventually Bezaidenot is now shot by one of the soldiers. So now what happens is Hendrik Prinsloer, who's a neighbor, along along with a neighbor of Hans Bezaidenet, Hans Bezaidenet, now brother of Frederick, who's been shot. They organize an uprising. And they, up, they organize this uprising, uprising against the British authorities because they believe now the British are not on their side and are favoring the blacks and the coloreds above the actual Afrikaner farmers. The Boers at this stage have had three and a half thousand cattle stolen. Okay, this is huge losses now to these guys, and it's stolen by the Khazars because they're in a border area, and the British are doing nothing to protect them against the cattle raids, etc., etc. So yeah, you've got a bunch of disgruntled farmers, they're losing cattle, there's border dispute, there's land dispute, Farmer now is accused of mistreating it. Uh, one of his laborers, farmer is shot by colored laborers or by colored, colored soldiers. 
Daarna we get a colonel, a colonel Jacob Keiler is military commander on the eastern border. He comes a lot. He comes along at um, with a little force, and they now negotiate near the little town of Cookhouse. They meet up with Poseidon out and his rebels. Negotiations fail, but most of the rebels leave without any shots being fired. Most of them have a look at this and go, hang on, boys, this is not a good plan. You know, fighting a government with a couple of us rebels is not a not a, not a a cool plan. 20 rebels surrender, and over the next couple of days, um, several more surrender and hand themselves over. Some of the leaders, however, refuse to surrender. 29 November, the leaders are attacked by the colonial troops. Everybody except Padai's note surrenders. Eventually, Bezaydeno doesn't. Hans dies as well while resisting arrest. So you can imagine the emotions that are now starting to cook here. Yeah. So what happens now is that uh, these guys go on trial. Most of them are acquitted, but six of the rebels are sentenced to death. After surrendering. One of these is pardoned by the governor. So on the 9th of March, 1816, the remaining five of these guys are hanged in public at a spot called Van Aartsbos, which is now the Slachtersnack. Okay. Four of the nooses break during these proceedings. Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. Four of them break. Now... According to tradition, if the noose breaks, you are set free. Yeah. That's kind of the the rule that came down from England, etc., 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 etc. However, the executioner ordered them to be hanged a second time. My word. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can understand if one breaks, but yeah, four of them. Yeah. So that's fishy. You got, to, you got to now picture these emotions and Slachter's neck and the events of Slachter's neck are actually considered to be the beginning of the Africana struggle against British colonial rule. Yeah. So this little spot, Slachtersnack, it's, un, it's an unfortunate name. It should have been called Van Aartsbos. Okay. But because it was a cattle station slaughtering, it, it got the name Slachtersnack. And it's not slaughtering of Afrikaners, it's slaughtering of cattle. But the name Slachtersnack has taken on this meaning. Yeah. And You look at the emotions at the time. You look at the race issues at the time. You look at the colonial issues at the time. Britons comes in. They they try to impose their will on these free-ranging, free-moving, nomadic Afrikaner farmers. These Afrikaner farmers are suffering massive losses from incursions over the border. Three and a half thousand cattle. Who the hell can live with three and a half thousand cattle stolen? And the government does nothing. 
Government does nothing. Government does nothing. Government just puts more laws in place, more borders, more restrictions, more drama, and then they arrest the guy for so-called maybe perhaps beating up his servant. And then they shoot him dead. Sounds, sounds familiar. You know, then they shoot him dead. And they yeah. shoot the brother. And then the guy surrender, and then they hang him. Oh. So, Slachter's Neck, very interesting spot in our history. It's regarded as the kickoff of the resistance of the Africana against British colonialism, against the British authorities, against British domination of South Africa. And this this incident here could almost be called the kickoff point of the Great Trek, of the First Anglo-Boer War, of the Second Anglo-Boer War, of the sort of formation of the Afrikaans language, of the formation of Afrikaans nationalism, and, 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 and can be traced down to this one little spot here that you can get to on the M10. Yeah. And there's an interesting part, and I, I, I'm hauling this out of memory, is that the beam that was used as the gallows yeah. disappeared. And I don't think anybody knows where it is, but there are rumors that some that someone has kept it in one of these big Afrikaner nationalist organizations somewhere. Okay. And I speak under correction, and I'm, I'm welcome to comments and uh, a little bit more history on that one. But the gallows beam disappeared somewhere and is apparently being kept in secret somewhere. And I don't think anybody really knows where that gallows beam is. But four yeah. out of the five or they not telling four out of the five <laughs> break. Now you kinda also ask, was that on purpose? Was it a bit of sabotage? Did they try and do that to get these guys free? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting and it's a very emotional part of South African history there. Yeah. But a lot more of these stories and a lot of this stuff is is on the app. This particular spot has got a huge um, write up in that book Frontierland by Dean Allen that we've digitized, and a yeah. lot of the history is in that book of his as well. Awesome! So there we go. There's our intent, the forgotten highway. We shouldn't have forgotten <laughs> that. It's a, there's a couple of pivotal moments in our history running off that one. Yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> this last part. Yeah, I know. But some cool stories. Some really, really yeah. cool stories there. Lack of yeah. That was a that was a good one. We ran a little bit over time. You're sitting on forty two minutes. Okay, well that's <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Lekker. Not a big Awesome, DJ. Well, and uh, we'll chat yeah. again soon. Cool stuff. Okay, Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye.